Giants fans, and welcome to a new edition of the Valentine's Views podcast here on Big Blue View Radio, part of the SB Nation family of podcasts. As we record this show, it's Tuesday, basically two days away from the official start of Giants 2019 training camp, and here to help us break down what we might expect to see during training camp is Patricia Traina, good friend of, of Big Blue View, who works for us, does work for Forbes, has her own podcast, Locked on Giants, and can be found in several other places as well. Patty, it's football time. Yes, finally, finally. Oh my gosh. You know, as much as I like the break between, tra- you know, the mini camps. And the start of training camp, after a couple weeks, you start to go stir-crazy. So here we are, and let's get it going. And, of course, we're we're entering training camp. We're a couple days away. And, of course, this week we get hit with, uh, you know, with another Odell Beckham story that let's just touch on that real quickly before, uh, you know, before we get into the training camp stuff. I'm just shaking my head, Patty, because the the man can't let it go. And, and the more he talks, the more you realize, you know, from my perspective, that Dave Gettleman had to move on from him. The Giants had to move on from him. And he, you wish it hadn't come to that. But the more he talks, you realize, you know, the more you realize that, a, to me anyway, a, a divorce had to happen. Yeah, I mean, I, I've never seen anything like this, so, you know, certainly not recently with a player that, that the Giants have moved on from. Most guys, you know, just they take the high road and they go and they start a new life and, and everybody wishes each other well and, and, and that's the end of it. But it just seems like Odell can't help himself. And and in the, the GQ article, which uh, magazines hit the stands today, I believe, uh, if you're looking to pick up that uh, issue, um, Odell even said, I believe, and I'm paraphrasing that he wasn't happy and he was, you know, looking to move on anyway. And and it's almost like, you know, it, it reminds me of a, a, a busted relationship where, you know, you get dumped and then you turn around and you say, well, you know, I was going to dump that guy anyway, because, you know, he, he was this and he wasn't that. And, you know, the bat, the bottom line is, is, you know, the Giants made a business decision. You know, Odell can sit there and say all he like, all he wants that he's happy in Cleveland and whatnot, but actions speak louder than words. And, and the fact that, you know, he keeps bringing this up and can't seem to get it off his mind. That's, you know, that's not healthy. And how can you grow and move forward if you're still clinging to the past? Oh, Patty, for me, every time Odell speaks, it seems like a a therapy session. It seems like he's he's sitting on the shrink's couch and and just looking for some some sort of an emotional breakthrough or or therapy or something and and it it gets a little bit tiresome. Yeah, it re- it really does. I mean, and, and unfortunately, you know, fans say, "Well, why are you guys covering it? He's no longer a giant." You know, what What you guys need to understand is every time the name Giants gets dragged into it, it does become a giant story. You know, whether we want it or not, it does become a giant story. And, you know, if Odell goes and, and he talks about, you know, 
playing with Baker May- Mayfield. Okay, who, who cares about that? We, we as writers, giant beat writers, we don't care about that. But when he starts taking shots at, at you know, his former team, which happens to be the team we cover, unfortunately, then we are, uh, you know, obligated to to report on that by our bosses. So, you know, look, I don't want to talk about a former giant, you know, seemingly every week or every couple of weeks. I'd rather focus on the current team. But right now, unfortunately, Odell's inability to let it go, it, it's become a little bit of a story and it's a tiresome story. And hopefully once football and training camps start, he'll be able to focus and, and, and not keep having the Giants name on his lips. Patty, let's uh, let's move on from Odell and let's actually talk about the New York Giants and talk about training camp. The whole offseason, the decisions made by Dave Gettleman, all of that controversial decisions, unpopular ones in, in many ways, what a lot of people saw as, as head scratchers, all of that, to be honest, over the course of the offseason has been kind of tiresome to talk about. And that's not really where I want to go at this point. But as we enter training camp, I look at it and am I the only one who I don't think this Giants team is is a championship contending team. I don't think they're going to make a deep playoff run. But am I the only one who is a little bit more optimistic than than many of the of the the naysayers about this team and about the direction of this team at least as as we begin a new season? I don't think so, Ed. I mean, you got to look at baby steps for this team. You know, look, it took years for this team to fall into the into the sewer. It's going to take years for it to come back. I mean, very rarely does a team go from from worst to first. I mean, it, it, it's such a challenge. But, you know, look, you, you can look at last year and you can say that they came close. And if it weren't for a call here or this and that there, they might have had a better record than what they had. They might have gone eight and eight instead of, you know, five and 11. But. I think, you know, the Giants, Dave Gettleman, Pat Shermer, they have built a locker room that they feel is conducive to winning and they are optimistic about it. And now, you know, it is up to the coaching staff to, you know, design schemes and plays and whatnot and put these players in a position to, to, you know, capitalize on their talent. So I, I am with you. I think there is reason to be optimistic in terms of making baby steps forward, I don't see this team necessarily sliding back unless they get ransacked by injuries. But I'm with you. I I don't think this is a a, a team that you know is going to go deep in the playoffs if it should qualify. And I think you know I think they have an outside chance of being a wild card. But you know I I just don't think they're ready to make a run. Patty, I was thinking, and I did a, a post for Big Blue View that will actually hit a little bit a little bit later today as we record this uh, on Tuesday morning. And the the focus of of that piece is basically on progress for the 2019 Giants. Gettleman and Pat Shermer talked about they talked about building. They talked about going from three wins to five wins and all of the close losses. 
And for me, I have a hard time saying, okay, the Giants have to hit X number of victories to make progress. And and that's for a couple of reasons. That's because of the potential for an Eli Manning, Daniel Jones transition. And that's also because there's so much youth and so many new players on defense. Is there, I mean, how would you define what, progress for this team what might progress look like is it a number of wins or is it something other than that that you might look for there's a couple of things I mean ultimately you're right wins are going to be the the definitive measuring stick but I think the other thing you have to look at is is how many plays did they not make last year that they're now making this year are they better against the run are they able to get more pressure on the quarterback are they able to connect on more, you know, I don't know, deep passes? Um, are they able to to get more yards after contact? You know, there are little statistical things that you can say, okay, you know what? The offensive line was indeed better because, you know, they allowed X number of pressures this year versus last year. So there are little tiny things you can look at, and those things will start to add up. Um, but ultimately you're right. Again, wins and losses is, is, is the, the measuring stick that people are going to look at and say, you know, this team has progressed or this team has regressed. And I think we have probably talked about this before, but entering training camp, I think the defense to me is actually a bigger question than the offense, simply because there's so many moving parts. There's so many players on that defense who have never played an NFL snap. And you have guys like Jabril Peppers and Dalvin Tomlinson who are third-year guys who who are among the most experienced players on that defense. So do you, you agree with me that, that I think there are more questions at this point surrounding the defense than the offense? I think so. There's a lot of inexperience. Um, you know, the Giants made a, I, I, I believe, a conscious effort to um, to bring in former Cardinal players or guys that you know um, James Betcher and or Dave Gettleman were familiar with in order to to uh, you know to bring that defense along. But you're right. I mean, the defense was a problem last year. It, it, it did not live up to expectations. They did not get um, their value that they, they invested in the unit. And, uh, you know, Gettleman in cleaning it out said, look, I can I, I lost with these guys. I can lose without them and, and save some money. So, um, you know, I just think that it, it's, you know, the defense the the trick the key with defenses is they have to come together they have to gel and if you think back to some of the the better giant defenses over over the course of the franchise's history first couple of weeks first 3 weeks or so in the season it took time for the unit to come together but when it did oftentimes it was spectacular i mean i'm thinking of 2007 i'm thinking of you know in the 80s there was there was a stretch where where the i think it was 86 where, the, where that defense um, initially um, needed to get started. So again, as with anything, you have to have patience. You have to let this take root. It's it's kind of like they planted some seeds and these seeds are now starting to take root. And once they grow and blossom, it should be a pretty sight to watch. 
Patty, let's uh, let's take a quick break for a word from our sponsors here. Then we'll come back and we'll talk about some of the uh, camp position battles. Uh, perhaps uh, you know, some of the players that uh, that you might be most interested in watching you know, during the uh, upcoming training camp practices. Support for this show comes from Sylvan Learning. As a parent, you want your child to have every opportunity. But giving them the tools they need to tackle every challenge, that takes a team. Now more than ever, educational support tailored exactly to what your child needs can make all the difference. That's why parents have trusted Sylvan Learning for 45 years as the ultimate teammate in their child's educational journey, instilling in them a love for learning and a passion for reaching the next level. And Sylvan's Insight Assessment can identify gaps in learning and areas that could be of concern for your child. It's a 360-degree view into your child's learning that you can't find anywhere else and helps ensure that your child didn't miss something in school that might put them at a disadvantage in the future. And right now, it's the best price of the year at $29. Go to sylvan29.com to learn more and get your child's assessment for only $29. That's S-Y-L-V-A-N-29.com. Okay, Giants fans, we're back here on the Valentine's Views podcast. I'm your host, Ed Valentine, and we're talking with Patricia Trena as we preview the 2019 New York Giants training camp. Patty, let's turn to uh, some of the players that you're most interested in, in watching as we uh, as we approach training camp. Before the break, we were talking about defense. So let's let's start there. Give me a couple of the players that that you might really really be interested in watching during training camp. You know, just I'll just start quickly by saying for me, I'm really interested in watching the development of DeAndre Baker and I'm really interested in seeing how the Giants plan to utilize Jabril Peppers. Yeah, from uh, those are two definitely that I'm interested in seeing, but I'm going to add Dexter Lawrence because it all starts up front and and you'll hear me say this a lot Ed, if you don't win the battle in the pit, you're not go- chances are you're not going to win the game. You have to you have to beat the guys in front of you in that pit. So, Dexter Lawrence, they brought him in um a big body kid who, you know, they're hoping can help take up multiple blockers as a plugger and take away some of those, those escape hatches that quarterbacks in the past have been able to exploit by, you know, darting up the middle as the edges close in around them. So that's a rookie I'm looking forward to seeing. And um, the, the versatility on that defensive line, because like I said before, they have so much youth on this defense and especially on that defensive line. So how's it all going to shake out? Who's going to line up where and how's it all going to kind of function? So that's probably number one for me. Now, number two, obviously, the cornerbacks. Um, A lot of youth at cornerback. You've got Julian Love versus Grant Haley at the nickelback. You've got DeAndre Baker and Sam Beal competing for a starting job. And then you've got to figure out where Corey Ballantyne is going to fit in um, in that mix. So I'm looking forward to seeing those three. 
and Sam Beal. You know, we'll, we'll throw him in there, even though he's he's technically a second year player. Um, you know, I think there's going to be some good competition in that defensive backfield. Jabril Peppers, you know, you mentioned him. We we kind of got a little taste of what he brings to the table, and we saw him, you know, working with um, with Antoine Bethea and and. You know, one of the things that really impressed me in the spring is I don't think I saw any busted coverages when the two of them were on the field. So that was certainly a promising development. For me, the biggest concern is that linebacker. I mean, I feel like we've been saying this year after year after year, but, you know, you have question marks on the edge. You know, you have two young guys uh, in O'Shane Zimenez and Lorenzo Carter, who's in his second year, is Marcus Golden going to be back to his pre-injury self? They're counting on that happening. And then on the inside, you know, Alec Ogletree and, and B.J. Goodson are the incumbents, although Ty Davis is is starting to to push for some playing time at Goodson's spot. So how is that all going to shake out? And, and is that unit going to be better or different? And that that, to me, is probably... The biggest thing if in terms of if you're looking at question marks and what to watch for, that would be one of the areas I would say to keep an eye on. Patty, one thing you talked about, you mentioned Dexter Lawrence. And I have been talking with, you know, folks at Big Blue View and on Twitter, and I keep getting questions about Dexter Lawrence and about why it appears that you know throughout the spring the Giants used him an awful lot at what you would call a defensive end spot in the 3-4 rather than at the nose, which I think would have been the expectation using Dalvin Tomlinson at the nose and, and putting Lawrence you know, more at, at, I guess, what you would call a 4-tech or a 5-tech lined up against a guard or a tackle. Are you confused by that, or do you, do you understand it? You know, personally, I see the reason for it. I see what the Giants are trying to do. Do you do you have a problem with Lawrence not playing the nose? No, not at all. I think what they're trying to do is to try to make those guys as versatile as possible, so that they can mix and match depending on the situation. And you want to line your guys up. You want to be able to go into a game and say, okay, you know what. Uh, Dexter Lawrence, you know, and I'm just using this as an example here. Dexter Lawrence is my my best, you know, pass rusher up front. So do I want to line him up over the guard? Do I want to line him up in between the guard and the tackle? Or do I want to line him up right over the center? Where is the weak link, the weak link on that offensive line where I can take advantage of Dexter Lawrence's ability to rush the passer? So in order to 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 do that, you have to give him you know, snaps at different positions and in the process, see where he's going to be your best fit in your base and where he's going to be your best fit, you know, in, in the different situations. So no, I have absolutely no problems with them, you know, not pigeonholing a, a young guy into one spot. Patty, let's turn our attention to the offense and pretty much, to be honest, we're going to kind of table Eli Manning and Daniel Jones for the moment. But let's talk about some of the other maybe position battles or players. Let's let's focus on players who you're really interested in seeing on the offensive side of the ball as we get started with training camp. I think one of the most underrated battles is backup running back. Who's going to be the number two guy behind Saquon Barkley? Now, 
you know, last year it was Wayne Gallman kind of, you know, after Jonathan Stewart, you know, kind of fizzled out with the injury. Um, this year they brought in Rod Smith, former Cowboy, who can play a little bit of fullback, by the way. Um, they have Gallman back. Um, Paul Perkins is in the mix, and he looked pretty good in the spring. Um, they have this rookie, John Hilliam, who played one year with Rutgers and I think three years with Boston College. So who among them is going to be the number two guy behind Barkley? And that's an important um, – I think that's an important battle to watch because um, – Barkley, as much as you want him on the field for every snap, I don't think that's practical and I don't think that's going to happen. Occasionally he's going to need, you know, he's going to need a breather. And plus, you don't want to wear him out. I know that sounds weird, but, you know, you got to give those running backs a, a breather every so often. So it's important that whoever the number two guy is, is that he's good with ball security, which Wayne Gallman had some problems with last year. He can catch the ball out of the out of the backfield. He can be a third down blocker if need be. And, uh, and most importantly, he can push through the pile and, and gain those tough yards. Patty, before we get to some of the other uh, guys you might be interested in looking at, I was looking at Wayne Goleman in the running back situation the other day. And I've heard you say in the past, as we've stood there and watched practices that you really like the way Wayne Goleman runs and I can understand that. And Goldman has skills that I would think Pat Shermer would be attracted to because he's, you know, he's a capable running back. He's capable out of the backfield. But I totaled it the other day, and I have a hard time getting past five fumbles in 210 career touches. And I think that ball security is the thing that might cost Wayne Goldman a roster spot. Yeah, and and I'm with you on that, and I I've written that as well. I mean, I think Wayne Gallman, his skill set is you know it, it it's a perfect fit for what they're doing. But if you don't hold on to the ball, if you don't protect the ball, guess what? It doesn't matter. You could be the most skilled player at your position. The coach is probably not going to trust you, and you're probably not going to have a job. And that's the one thing to me that worries me about Wayne Gallman and his chances of sticking around on this roster is the ball security issues. And some of them, if you go and you look at them on tape, some of them just shouldn't happen. I mean, it's, it's almost like, I don't want to say laziness, but when you're in traffic, you want to protect that ball with your second hand and, and to, to not do that. It's, I just don't understand why, um, you know, maybe it's instinctive. I, I don't know. Maybe it's a matter of comfort, but it just, it worries me when I see that. And, and I sit there and I hold my breath sometimes when Wayne Gallman is in traffic because I'm thinking, oh my God, he's not protecting the ball. He better hope that doesn't come out. So, yeah, I agree with you on Gallman. I mean, that is the thing that, that, that's the, uh, the primary issue with him and we'll see if it ends up costing him a roster spot before we uh before we move on uh, any other you know roster battles or players in particular that you're uh, really looking forward to watching on offense uh, during training camp well yeah um i'm going to start with receiver i'm going to i'm going to say uh i'm curious to see who amongst Corey Coleman um Darius Slayton, Russell Shepard, um, well, uh, Benny Fowler, 
Um, and, and I know I'm missing somebody who's oh, Cody Latimer is the other, uh, the other guy I think I'm missing. Um, I'm curious to see how that shakes out behind Golden Tate and Sterling Shepard. Now, my feeling is, is the Giants aren't going to officially anoint a third receiver. They didn't do it last year. I suspect they're not going to do it this year. My gut feeling is, is the Giants, you know, when it comes to the offense and who they're going to feature every week, it's going to depend on the opponent and the game plan. Um, you know, kind of like what, what, uh, our friends up North in new England do. Um, so, but still, you know, there's a matter of roster spots. Now, I would think Russell Shepard, you know, because he's a core special team player, he's going to make it. Corey Coleman uh, is intriguing to me because, you know, he that battle with uh, Darius Slayton, the Giants right now don't have a guy or an established guy who can take the top off of a defense. You know, they traded that guy away to Cleveland. Um, so I, I'm just curious to see if, you know, that's a priority. And if so, which of those two step up and, and become that guy that, you know, gets targeted frequently on those deep passes. I'm also curious to see um, on the offensive line, you know, I, I don't think there's really that much of a battle at center. I think I think ultimately it's going to be John Halapio's job and that Spencer Pulley is going to be the first guy off the bench, you know, at, if there's an injury at guard or tackle. Um, I'm curious to see how Mike Remmers is, you know, because back injuries and back surgery, they do worry me. Um, backs can be very tricky and, and you hope that the guy's okay and, and uh, is able to play. So I'm curious to see that. And then I'm curious to see how the depth shapes up on the offensive line, because right now, if I were to ask anybody out there and say, okay, who are the backups at each position? You probably would get different answers. And, you know, I just don't think that that is as settled as it should be. Patty, I would agree with you on on most of those. I think that that Remmers is is really interesting to me. I think if he's healthy, he's the guy at right tackle. But we'll see, we'll see how that goes. I, I think that uh, if you look long term, I think people consider the offensive line "quote unquote" fixed at this point. I hate to use that word. I think that long term it's a it's a position the Giants have to continue to try to address. And it it wouldn't surprise me if at least one, maybe two of the guys who wind up being reserves on this offensive line are opening training camp on someone else's roster. Yeah, that wouldn't surprise me either. Remember, you know, it's it's interesting. Last year, if just to refresh everybody's memory, the Giants went into training camp with Brett Jones at center, having signed a big, you know, a one-year restrict uh, restricted free agent tender, which was for a few million, and then John Halapio, who was I think on an exclusive rights uh, tender, which was you know far less money-wise. And what happened? Halapio beat out. Uh, Brett Jones, and they were able to flip him in a trade to the Vikings for a seventh round draft pick. Well, this year you have Spencer Pulley who signed, you know, I think it's a two year contract. I forget what the the dollar value is, but it's worth, it's worth a few million. I think it's worth a couple million. And you've got Halapio again, back on an exclusive rights free agent contract. So if Halapio makes this does indeed win the starting center position. And if this kid, James O'Hagan, who is a guy that that I'm keeping an eye on. He's one of the undrafted free agents who caught my eye in, in, when he was going through the offensive line drills and somebody who I'm curious to see if he can play 
Um, and, and, you know, cause he could also long snap too. So I'm kind of thinking down the line, but if that kid can, you know, can beat out Evan Brown, now maybe you say to yourself, okay, maybe I try and flip Spencer Pulley to a team that needs a center in return for a seventh round pick. Because remember, Dave Gettleman likes to collect draft picks so that he can move around and he's already going to have, I think, two extra draft picks in the, you know, comp picks in next year's draft. But the more you can get, especially those seventh rounders they're you know, you might say, Oh, big deal. They're only seventh rounders, but they can be very valuable bargaining chips when you're trying to move around. So that's why the center battle to me is going to be interesting to see how that plays out. Patty, it all begins on Thursday. As we record giants, rookies are already going through their first practice. If not, perhaps already having concluded their first practice. Veterans report on Wednesday. The first practice is Thursday afternoon. You and I will both be in attendance. Hopefully we'll have some good weather. Nice day for the fans to get out and see their their Giants on the practice field. And uh, finally, as we said at the top of the show, finally some real football. Yes, indeed. Finally, can't wait. Looking forward to getting out there. And uh, those of you who are listening, you know, say hello. Ed and I will probably, you know, be standing together a couple times during the course of a practice. And even if you just wave, we'll wave back. Yeah, I'll I'll be the guy with the with the big floppy, safari looking sun hat on. So yeah, so so you should be able to you should be able to find me out there. Yeah, and I'll be the, the I'll be right next to you with the big floppy safari hat on. I mean, the <laughs> the sun is not our friends, folks, and so there'll be Ed and I, you know, the two pastiest looking people that you're ever gonna see. I oh, mean, speak uh, for your speak for yourself. I've got I a nice just, summer tan working. Come uh, on. You know, for an Italian, I can't tan worth a, worth a, worth a dime. I mean, I go out in the sun for five minutes and I turn red like a lobster. It's just that's one thing I didn't inherit from my Italian ancestors. It's unfortunate, but it is what it is. All right, Giants fans, with with that piece of information in your back pocket for training camp, hopefully we'll see you out there uh, sometime uh, during one of the open practices. Giants fans, we thank you very much for listening. Please remember to subscribe to the Valentine's Views podcast on all of your favorite podcast applications. Thank you, and we'll talk to you again soon. Bye-bye.